straighten up. Straighten up, fly right. That's what my dad used to say. <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to the 18th episode of the Insiders on Real Estate and Marketing. I'm your host, Sandy Hibbert, and this is my co-host, Mr. Mark Miller. Hi, Sandy. How you doing? I'm doing great. Doing Super good. good. I'm excited about our show. Glad to have Carrie back, our guest, Carrie Presock. Prysock. Prysock. Carrie Prysock. And uh, Carrie is the general counsel for Secured Title of Texas, who is our sponsor. Thank you very much. Secured You're welcome. Title. Yeah. Um, if you've missed any of our episodes, you can catch them all on our website at theinsidersonrealestatemarketing.com. We also have that posted on our website. Also on Secured yes, Title, Secured title of PX. Texas. Com. All right. Yep. We've got it on YouTube. We've got it on Insiders Podcast on Instagram. So I don't think you're going to have any problem. In fact, just Google Insiders on Real Estate and see what comes up. I bet we will. So we're super happy to be here. Uh, thanks for, for coming in and watching our show. Um, today we're going to talk about some really fun stuff, and that is the nitty-gritty of real estate transactions. And we've got two of the best in the business here that's gonna talk about it, a day in the week or a day in the month of a real estate transaction. So we're gonna get down and dirty on that. And then I'm gonna to talk to you about a, a real quick and impromptu survey I took of all my clients. Where'd you get your last three deals? So we're going to talk about digging down and finding out where are the leads coming from. Whether you're a business owner, a restaurant owner, real estate professional, these tips on where to find the leads are going to work for all of you. So let's jump right in, okay. Mr. Transaction Guy. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, What's going on in this well, market? I mean, well, how Life moves quickly the older you get, but it certainly is, uh, seems to just be moving at light speed uh, this year, and we're right. already halfway through the year. Yeah. I mean, we've closed yeah. out six months. Uh, thankfully, we had a uh, record uh, month for June, and probably the best the company's done in eight years that it's been licensed here in Texas. Wow. So uh, when people say inventory's down and things of that nature, I don't disagree with that, yeah. but uh, the interesting thing for us is transactions are up and good, and then what's happened by the natural rise in the transactional price of the property, our average income per order has risen. Mm -hmm. And normally that's a target more toward marketing uh, side, but this is just, it's just happening. what's just happening in the marketplace. It's so crazy. It's just absolutely uh, insane. And uh, there's just, with that and with that velocity, I think comes a lot of uh, a different level of stress associated to the mm -hmm. real estate transaction. Mm -hmm. Well, know. I noticed your eyes seem like I'm glazed over. Really yeah. shot. I was wondering if you've been drinking or no, you just uh, no. I've been working out and sleeping. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, you. I know you are. But, uh, but so super busy and yeah, stressful? super busy and it, it's not. You know, it's. Uh, I always say every transaction has its own fingerprint. Yeah. And it's really true. And we just never know what to anticipate uh, once we get the contract in. Obviously, a lot of things start to happen, and once that t title commitment's issued, then we see our first look at whatever uh, might have been a seller's outcome for the period of time they own that property. Right. Whether that's a federal tax lien or an AJ, or they're going through a divorce or those type of things. So, Carrie and I kind of joke on, um, we can kind of tell on Mondays that, uh, you know, this is going to be dead people week. You know, it's oh, like yeah. the, we're dealing with probates and mm -hmm. issues to the wills and things of that nature. It might be divorce week. It may be survey week. Uh, so we kind of, and it just seems to come in 
grows, doesn't it, Carrie? It does. It just seems to hit that. So like death, it comes in threes. Yeah. <laughs> so and some of it uh, is, you know, discoverable prior to a transaction, and some of it just happens yeah. by the course of the transaction. Mm -hmm. uh, to that side. So I thought we'd just visit a little bit um, about the different uh, things that we're seeing okay. that maybe could be of benefit to people out there when you run into these kind of circumstances. Be aware. Yeah. Uh, and be more diligent. And I've always said, particularly in the listing side of the equation, that you, I think people have to be more forensic than yeah, they probably historically have because it's not just about marketing of the house. Yeah. Once it's listed, it's about what is there anything else that they need mm -hmm. to know mm -hmm. that's happened to the people that are in the home mm -hmm. uh, because that could be impactful to the oh, ability totally. to meet the timelines of the contract. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it, in in light of all of that, I have a curious question that I think uh, your answer will address all this stuff. But with the market as crazy as it is right now, and, and crazy meaning that. There's multiple offers on mm -hmm. the home, people are paying cash, people are paying way above the listing price and all this crazy stuff that we're not used to. Does that affect the title? Are, are you notice, noticing it being sloppier? Are there sloppier deals coming through? Because No. No, no it's, uh, it's quite the opposite. We, uh, we don't like to handle the sloppy deals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, and the average, I think the average of the Metroplex is probably 350,000. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and then you think that they're going another 30 to 40 percent above that list price. Uh, so the, the the dollar value doesn't really impact it us doesn't. anything okay. from a transactional okay. side. I think it's more impactful to the lender side of having a deal because now they're getting a contract in with appraisal addendums and they have, you know, they know it's not going to appraise for what the contract is, which used to be the history of this business. It's always about exactly. did the appraisal meet the contract sales price? That was the first level of anxiety that you went through, and, and that's, that's why this seems so weird. It is weird, yeah. Uh, so, I, but I think you know, everything always normalizes in this business to some level, and and people that haven't been in this business for longer than five years yeah. probably think this is the way it is, uh -huh. and it's really not. And yeah. it was interesting, Mark Wolf sent me a, a, a kind of a projection of price appreciation over the next five years, and I, this came out of the national side, but I mean, it goes from 8.66 in 2021 down to 5.12, 3.7, 3.5, 3.3. Okay. This this 2025 number to that 2024 is more of the more normalized appreciation that we've experienced in our marketplace. So is there hope then for someone who says right now, let's say a young family, I can't afford to buy a house in this market, yep. but they're afraid mm -hmm. that they might not be able to afford it in five years. This says this, maybe they this, can? This says they can. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. great news. I, I, I think that's going to be the case. It just... Uh, not that demand's going to go away, but I just right. think we're going to get more to that normalized side. Okay. And, you know, uh, the average over the last 12 months, the average homeowner has gained almost $34,000 in equity over the last 12 months. Whoa. Just sitting in their house. That's enough to pay for college, yeah. maybe. So, um, so anyhow, it's, it's really interesting to, to watch this. And um, I, think we're, uh, I think we're still in a strong market. I think 2021 is going to end up being a really, really good year for for the industry, mm -hmm. and then 2022, we don't, nobody knows. Nobody knows. But I don't, I don't know what would turn that sale, one way or the other. I think interest rates are going to be manageable. Demand here in the metroplex is certainly going to stay strong. Yeah. To that side, so. Yeah. Uh, well, you have the second wave of buyers, the ones that couldn't buy now, and the right. time wasn't right. Their time's opening up. And somewhere out there, and we don't. And more inventory. Yeah, and There'll we be more exactly, and we don't know when that uh, inventory 
boost is going to come, but what part of that boost will be eventually the forbearance agreements subside and people are going to have to manage where they are with uh, debt they haven't paid. And that's going to put a, a portion of inventory back out of the marketplace. We haven't even seen that yet, no. have we? No, we're, hmm. the closest we'll see is in uh, the end of this month is the moratorium uh, on the rental side okay. for the rent abatement. And, uh, and then I think it's August 31st on the forbearance. Mm -hmm. Still seeing us. I, I measure that in Dallas and Collin County. There's still a handful of postings. Co Collin County, on the average, would have 50 to 60 foreclosure postings. For August, they've got eight. So, okay, so, so there's definitely been the skids put break on that. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think they're going to press on the servicers to try to work out modification agreements mm -hmm. to do everything but foreclose. Mm -hmm. But there's just going to be circumstances where people, and they say one of the alternatives is sell your house. Mm -hmm. uh, and if I was sitting in that situation where I needed money and I didn't have a job and I had to. Now's I was, the time. I would be selling my house right now. But, yeah. you know. Then you got to go live somewhere else. Yeah. But there's plenty of multifamily yeah. available. Markets, so. Well, it's like there's this crossroad, and the and the buyer, buyer slash sellers going, which way do I go? Which right. way do I go? You know, if I buy, there are there are these results. If I sell, there are these results. You know, which direction do I take my family, on that? And then there's legislation that President mm -hmm. Biden's got, you know, going that can maybe help on down payments in the next few years. And you got a lot of people that at one point in time we're looking at a short sale and losing everything that are actually may actually get to make a little money when their house is sold yeah, out. And to your point, I think that's great. Yeah. I really do. I mean, people who get in trouble get upside down. Um, and those days where the mortgage company came knocking on your door, slapping that yellow sticker and mm -hmm. taking your keys. That's, that's, that's not going to happen no, right now. No, not anytime near, in the near mm -hmm. future to that mm -hmm. side. Mm -hmm. I, my curiosity is when you you know, I see a posting on Facebook with somebody and they'll say that they've uh, had the house on the market for an hour or whatever it is and they got 30 <laughs> offers. And then someone will say, mine, mine was accepted. And I'm thinking, wonder what strategically they did that the 29 others did not I was thinking do. about that just the other day. Yeah, how how do, you, do you know? So to me, it almost felt like to some degree, although we always talk about marketing, I think it's relevant. I think the other side of that is strategy in terms of negotiation. Yeah. How, how do you how do you position That's your a client very good point. for the offer on mm -hmm. that property that gives you the best opportunity? Because mm -hmm. uh, you know you got thirty people standing in line trying to get the same asset. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear from some of you realtors that are listening about this. That, that would be yeah. great to hear and know what are you doing and how does your offer have the best chance to get received, reviewed, and accepted? Because I imagine everybody's exhausted the. 30 letters of why I want the property. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, then, and then you have that some schools of thought that say, don't do that. You know, right. I've had realtors say, no, we don't do letters. We're not going to do that. Right. And then I've had some that are going, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. got to slip the letter in there. So you have these 30 heart-wrenching stories. Yeah. And then it's probably, I've always believed that there's a relationship side in the real estate industry. So I think a listing agent knows when presented with offers, she also, or he, assesses Good point. the buyer agent that's presenting that because they know them from a transactional mm -hmm. history mm -hmm. and they know whether they're good producers, they know the kind of clientele they represent, uh, represent and they know whether they like to work with them or not yeah. because just because you get it under contract is one thing, all kinds of other yeah. things come to play and where you're going to have to have two 
uh, realtors collaborating together to get the transaction mm -hmm. closed. So relationships yeah, important yeah. in that. Exactly. So anyhow, all that being said, uh, I just wanted Carrie to hit some highlights of sort of what we're seeing at least the first half of the year consistently that might be a few points to make and uh, a few things to advise our listeners on how to not necessarily avoid the trap, but how to manage potential yes, issues that, that delay a closing. And there's, that's, that's the main problem. Your, your seller, when you got a contract, they need to be able to perform. The last thing you want today is to have it where it's delayed, it gets a closing time, and you can't get it closed, um, and people are just going on to another offer. Uh, and there, there are really three things that keep running up that I see over and over again. And um, the first one is with a divorce. In particular, um, if the divorce decree um, deals with the uh, distribution of property, it has to have the legal description in it before it can be either going to have a deed from the spouse or a legal description in the divorce decree. You still see some people that use the do-it-yourself forms that the Supreme Court has provided, and so many times they'll put an address in there and that's it, or they pull the description off of CAD, which is limited. Yeah. And so you got to make sure, so there's a divorce in there, let's get a copy of that de decree as soon as we can, and what does it say? Does it give the property to, to one of the people there? Um, does it have a legal description? Does it require for a deed? If it, if it does, did they do it? Because just because it's like, lots of times there's a sample deed just attached as an exhibit to the divorce decree. And they think, oh, we did that. It's an exhibit. But it's just an unsigned blank document. It doesn't do anybody any good. Right. So somebody needs to look at the divorce decree right off of the bat. Uh, another thing that comes into play there is if you've got a dead person in title. Because once again, that's the same type of thing that there are some issues. Lots of times they go, well, it was probated. Mm -hmm. Well, Sometimes the, the probate has not been finalized. There's not what we call a muniment of title, which establishes who has title in there, or the executor has not done a deed into the heir. And at that point in time, what happens is um, lots of times it, will, it gets stale. Mm -hmm. So the court does what's called a drop order. And that basically means uh, you've done your inventory, you've done your appraisal, the executor's done all the heavy lifting, so the court doesn't need to worry about this anymore. Well. If a drop order is over two years old, then that probate, if he haven't deeded out, that probate hasn't done any good with the title of the property. So he it's has, just been sitting there. Right. So you basically have to treat it like there was never a, a probate. Oh you either got to go and reopen the probate That's again, stuff. Mm -hmm. advertise everybody, all that, or treat it like I don't have a, a deal. Mm -hmm. We're just doing an affidavit of, of airship. And when you get sticking with the affidavit of, of airship, uh, title insurance underwriter wants people that that aren't a beneficiary that's known the deceased for at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. So these tracking these people down, it particularly gets problematic. You want to know, has this deceased person been married before and had kids by a prior marriage? Because if there's kids by a prior marriage, it completely changes the intestate laws under the state of Texas. Um, everybody thinks, oh, well, your spouse automatically gets the, the property. Right. Well, there's kids from a prior marriage, that's not the case. The spouse has got a life estate. You've got to deal with those prior kids. This is not something you want to find out the week of closing. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I'm seeing a lot of is forensic. Mm -hmm. where we've got um, title holders that are um, foreign nationals living here. And are lots of times you have people where they're a married couple and the spouse didn't come to over here. 
And so one spouse owns a piece of property in Texas, but it's, you know, it's a problem my spouse is in XYZ country, they'll sign. Well, with COVID, it's becoming a really difficult thing because getting into an embassy in some of these of these countries, the embassies are closed. Right. They're on a 30-day wait to get an appointment with the with the consulate. Yeah, and it's a lot harder than here in the U.S. Absolutely, and so well, people go, well, what about Iran or Iran? Well, Iran, it's a a, a, a remote um, online notary. To do that, you have to have a permanent, constant, uninterrupted audio and video recording of the execution of all of the documents. And once again, if you don't have a wet signature, without a wet signature, your lender's probably not going to take it, and good luck recording that. You're not going to be able to record in most instances mm -hmm. without a wet signature. So that's where the REN comes in, a remote ink uh, notarization. But that's a brand new cutting technology. Texas is really only recognized and under emergency orders by the the governor now, and good luck once again is a lender going to accept it. So these are issues that you need to know if you've got a, a or you see a um, a name that might indicate that you've got a family member that's not a U.S. citizen. Don't worry about all the other tax circumstances. You need to ascertain where are they residing. How are we going to get signatures? How are we going to manage this? And once again, it's not something that you wanted um, wound up with facing at the end when you're trying to get it closed. Wow. And that's the three things I keep seeing over and over again. So you guys actually have to deal with this stuff. Oh yeah. This <laughs> yeah, really I mean, happens. Work, you work all the way through the process, and then you you also then have to orchestrate how we're going to close the transaction wow. as well. Wow. Where are the parties going to be? And what happens is that we don't. We just rarely get this information in advance. Yeah, I'm sure. So we're, in, we're I almost feel like we're in triage all the time mm -hmm. on a file because we're managing the newest information that we've received from parties, uh, and now we're having to mitigate against what we've learned mm -hmm. to try to keep that transaction uh, process going. Whose if you will. job is it to coach a realtor on all this stuff? Well, I mean, how can you? How it's, it, that the only coaching I would offer to anybody that's in in this space is just is just you've got to ask questions yeah. of your clients and not be afraid to ask mm -hmm. questions. They don't necessarily have to be tough questions, but mm -hmm. it could be very surface level about is there anything that's had any impact in your family environment wow. over the last 12 months? Uh, you know, uh, anything that kind of just flushes out. It, uh, Assuming we get to closing in the next 30 days, do both of you intend to be in the market when we close the transaction? Mm -hmm. Do you have a checklist or something that you could? It's, you know what? It's probably a good idea to create yeah. one. I'll do that. Yeah. I'll create a checklist. It has these three things it's especially because, yeah. you know, there are so many realtors in the market that are new. <coughs> they don't have a clue no, about this No, they stuff. don't know. It doesn't mean they're not a good real estate nope. person, but title is a, a whole thing all by no. itself. Well, you know, they, you, know you, get, you get tunneled. You get tunneled to getting that contract yeah. written and the offer made and yeah. you hit acceptance zone and you're like, ha ha, celebrate. <laughs> and you should, right. but there's so many other things that come along the way All after the legal stuff. from that uh, from that contract side. So What a deal. Yeah. That, that so, stuff is messy. It is messy. But, but I think what I like about what we're doing is that we're, uh, and I like the fact that I, I really talk about this and when we're developing new relationships, we're a boutique firm. Yeah. I'm not trying to be the biggest in the marketplace. Right, right. 
we're boutique, we're hands-on. And they can talk to you. They can and talk carry. to us. Mm -hmm. uh, we have, our leadership team has that kind of experience. When it, we we don't look at a challenge as something we're frustrated with, we look at it as an opportunity. Mm -hmm. And what what I'm finding is we're getting that. we're getting deals that other title companies are not uh, willing to close and insure because they're not willing to get down deep and to the forensic side and find the solution do the work. at hand and do the work. And Carrie is phenomenal as a transactional attorney. It's yeah. such a lift to our organization. And so I've got my escrow officer there keyed in with Carrie. Carrie's in contact with our underwriters we represent and we have to deal with a title-related risk. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and everybody's, you know, our plant's flowing well. Everything is just really going well and that's why we had a record month in record June. We're, month. we're getting more business in because of the way we're handling yeah, business yeah. and that's what I want to have. I want to have that kind of reputation yeah. in the marketplace and I, everybody else can go claim number one in the market. They can have it. I don't that's care right. about that. Uh, I but you guys it. are making a mark and I love yeah. that. So Secured we're just, title of Texas. There you go. We yeah. want we want you to feel secure when you come to us. <laughs> That's good stuff. So, but without marketing, absolutely. Without the lead, we don't have any closing. So, uh, let's let's talk for a second as we close out about the various marketing. And it was fun because I reached out to all of my clients this week, and I said, you, you know, just quickly tell me where'd your last three deals come from? Right. And here's some of the answers. Um, my, I have a church in Oklahoma City. They do missions in Africa. Uh, they're all over the place, and they do lots of things. Word of mouth, that works for a church. Website, Facebook event that they put together that just absolutely made the event and their missions program explode because they had done a couples thing, had done the event, um, and Google search. Google search has come up a lot by the way. Uh, baby Quip Furniture Rental, a client of mine, Google search. So imagine that if you're traveling to North Carolina for vacation, you don't want to drag the playpen, you don't want to drag, but you want to take your, you want to drag your kid, but you don't want to drag all the accoutrement. So they go in and they will Google search for baby furniture rental. So that's working for them. Uh, good music, referral, Instagram, and website. Now, I know this guy, Josh Good. He's my son-in-law. And uh, I, I love to tout how he handles Instagram. He goes on Instagram, and he finds the people that he wants to work with. So he's a producer. So he'll look through Instagram. He'll see different songs that are being posted by an artist. And he'll just hit them up. He'll say, hey, I'm Josh Good. He'll make the introduction, almost like an online networking opportunity, but he's just going for it. So I thought this is a great idea for business owners to another way to utilize Instagram, uh, and that's just by engaging people on the network that you want to work with. So I thought that was cool. Um, one of my great clients, Indigo Sky Group, they're over at Compass, uh, referrals, past clients. Now, you know, those girls are tip-top professional. You know them, you've worked with them. Right. Um, so their referrals and their past clients keep rolling in. But Janelle told me we stay in front of our clients. We stay in front of them. And this is another thing I saw with all of the people that I talked to, staying <coughs> in front of their past clients. So your past client can forget about you. 
<laughs> if you don't reach out to them, if they're not seeing you on social media, if they're not hearing from you on email, if you're never calling, if you're never texting them, if you're never sending them anything in the mail, they can forget about you. You so still need thought, to have a drip campaign. You need a drip uh, campaign. The old style drip campaign was dropping the postcards. Yeah in the mailbox, but yeah. the point of it was that something each month was being yeah. in front of that Stay in client front of them. or prospect or whatever it is, because yeah. out of sight, out of mind, yeah. applies in our business as well. It does, if you're, if, you know, across yeah. the board, any kind of business. Right. You know, I have clients who always ask me, <clears throat> I want to do your Instagram branding program, but I think posting daily is too much. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, no. In, in fact, right. you might want to post multiple times yeah. a day, morning, right. afternoon, and evening. So staying in front, being in that feed as people go online throughout all times of the day, you mm -hmm. want to be able to be in that feed. And that was another thing that Janelle at Indigo Sky Group said, stay in front of your clients. Uh, Troy Olson, my past uh, co-host here, he said staying in front of my clients creates loyalty with them because he does a great job. So Troy, uh, aside from his beautiful looks, he loves to create that loyalty by doing a super job and touting that super job with his clients and that creates a relationship. He keeps that going. Uh, Diane Kay, lead follow-up, and she said that she she went back and checked the last five years of her transactions and that she surprisingly found out that the last few deals that she's gotten came from an open house that she did, leads that she got from an open house where she put them on a drip campaign and kept them on their marketing program huh. the last five years and that's where she's gotten leads. Um, Scott Kennedy, uh, another colleague of mine, he said that he went on a listing presentation last night from a house that he sold 13 years ago. But he stayed in front of his client. So staying in front, however you choose to do that, there's a lot of ways you can do it, like I said. Um, basic stuff, guys. It's not rocket science. Referrals from satisfied clients and customers. A friend of mine, Linnell Laborde. She's out in South Lake area, relationships that generated business. So she does networking. She's built relationships that just turned into business without actually trying to make them a lead. Right. They just turn into a lead because they're building relationships. Uh, lease leads actually work. Networking, sphere of influence, networking groups. So I think that, you know, overall, what I looked at from my little impromptu poll that I did, the answer was staying in front of your clients. Yeah, that was one, two, three, four, five of those was had, with, had to do something with relationships. Yep. So they yep. had established relationships, they had a transactional history with them, yep. and they stayed in front of them. Yep. Did a good job. Um, yeah, they did a good job. I mean, you want to stay away from a realtor right. who's done you a bad right. job or any kind of business owner that's done you a right. bad job. So, so that's primary number one is you've got to do a great job. You've got to know your business. You've got to be in the game like we've been talking about here. But, yeah, staying in front and, you know, starting with social media, I think that that uh, that's the no-duh thing that you've got to do. It's there. It's affordable. Um Everyone is going to cross social media channels at some point. So it's definitely a place where you need to be. But staying in front of your clients, having good professionals to work with, you know, real estate, uh, 
the title, the whole title side and, and needing to have that coach, needing to have that professional, I think that this is what Secured Title offers is that because you're a boutique firm, you have the ability to turn on a dime for a client right. rather than hanging up the phone and saying, I'm sorry, I can't help you on right. that. Right. You know, and, and that's or I the can't beautiful get back thing. to you until the end of the day. Yeah, and and uh, working with me as far as marketing—that's uh, the beauty of being a small business—is that I can turn on a dime with you too, as well. We can be responsive to the market. We can be responsive to whatever your marketing needs are to make it happen for you. You know, I think so. some of the—I uh, always think back to the meetings we did when you released your book. Yeah, and we—I think we lined up 25 mm -hmm. producers, mm -hmm. and we had one-on-one -on -one discussions with mm -hmm. them. Um, and every one of them had had some place where they had uh, initiated a strategy but then didn't follow through mm -hmm. on the strategy mm -hmm. side of the equation. But we, if you remember, we found consistency on every one of those Everyone. people. On, yeah. And they all had some level of frustration associated <laughs> with marketing. Most yeah. of the time it was they got into the transaction trail and they dropped their marketing. Right. Strategy. I mean, I think that and happens you, with all of us in, in yeah, any business you that have you balance, have. The you get busy with your own business and your marketing lays to the yeah. side. And that's why you have to have yeah. professionals. And the worst time to wake help. up is when you realize you don't have any business and now you got to go pick up your marketing <laughs> yeah. again. You're in trouble. <laughs> the so, pipeline is the empty. The pipeline is always important. <laughs> Well, guys, it's a wrap, and uh, I just want to thank you so much for joining us. Our three takeaways, can we do it real fast? Sure. Okay, go. Uh, mine would be, as I, I keep emphasizing, be forensic. Uh, ask the right questions. That will prompt uh, your next steps. Uh, consult with the title companies once you are forensic and you figure out you've got an issue. That's the time to call and talk to the title companies and get to us and let us advise you on how to advise your client. And then I would be putting a pretty strong focus as we, you, you always look about what you're developing, your designations, things of that nature, but I would be looking at developing my negotiating skills mm, as much as I would be to homing my marketing strategy. Because I think negotiation obviously is at a all time high of uh, trying to get these contracts through. And it's the listing agents, the receiver. They're they're the, they're just catching them. Right. It's, it's the one out there presenting that needs to understand more about how to negotiate yeah. in the transaction. Yeah. And what are those options? Where are their soft and hard spots to go to? So those Excellent. are my three. Excellent, Carrie. It's the forensic side. Talk to your talk to your um, clients and try to identify potential problem issues at the early point, so you don't wind up getting in a time crunch when it comes closing time and you can't perform because of something that you didn't even discover till the last minute right. or you slept on. Yeah, good. For me, stay in front of your clients, number one. Number two, stay consistent in whatever marketing effort you pick up. You can sell ice cream to, what is it? Eskimo. An Eskimo, if you market it consistently. So consistency, consistency, and do a fabulous job so people love what you do. And that is a wrap. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>